Welcome to Long Story Long. I'm your host, Lisa Curry. Today's guest is the hilarious Sarah Schaefer. Uh, Sarah is an incredibly talented writer and comedian. She's been the head writer of a number of shows. She has a Comedy Central half hour out. She's got an album called Live, Laugh, Love. And most recently, she released her memoir, Grand, which is excellent. You guys should absolutely read it. Check it out. Um, I think you'll really enjoy this conversation we had. All right, get into it. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Hi, Lisa. I'm good. Well, it's, I miss LA so much. It's so nice to see uh, the sunshine in the background. I mean, bad time right now for someone who doesn't live in LA. I mean, I literally went swimming today. That sounds amazing. Amazing. It's 86 degrees here. A little bit of a hot snap. It's usually not that hot right now at this time of year, obviously. But um, yeah, it's like we moved, um, my husband and I, Scott, moved to this new place and it it's like a guest house on our friend's property. Very lucky to have found this spot and um, it has a pool. And I, it's so I do, I've never lived somewhere with a pool and I'm not even a swimmer, <laughs> <laughs> but like, and, and there's a hot tub and, you know, like, and yeah. I, when we first got here, it was really hot. And so there was a lot of pool activity and I, I really wouldn't even get in that much. Um, but now the new year has started and I started going on like long walks every morning mm-hmm. and like, and it's been warmer. And I was like, that's why you have a pool is I go on a walk, I get hot and then you go right in. God, that sounds and so you just like are yearning for the refreshing cooling sensation. <laughs> it's so perfect. It's really nice. I, uh, I'm staying with my cousins right now and uh, it's 30 degrees here. It's drizzling yeah. and uh, they have, like a nice little gym set up in the basement. And my, my cousin, she's so sweet. But the other day she was like, you know, I know you love to hike. You can use the treadmill if you want. And I'm like, oh no, that's not, no, I hike so I can like be in nature. (laughs) Yeah. Not not because I just like love moving forward so much. Well, you don't even move forward on a treadmill, but you know, um, they make those, um, I did like an ellip. I did a treadmill one time where it had a video feature on it where you mm-hmm. looked. You looked like you were taking a hike. Oh yeah, through. I think they you may pick, have that. You can pick different environments, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I really enjoyed the one I okay. went on. I was like, I actually <laughs> felt like I was in the hoodoos, like that that Utah, like <laughs> yeah. like where the little like stone mm-hmm. like whatever chimneys are. I don't know what yeah. they're called. <laughs> And like, I was like, oh, I felt like I just went on a nature walk and like, I've never been to that place before. So I was like legit engaged in it and uh, then got my walk in. And I was like, that was weirdly very satisfying. And um, I was skeptical about it at first. And then by the end of it, I was like, it's definitely not the same. Yeah. (laughs) But it was better than like watching CNN. Like I was on the road. I was in a hotel when I tried it. And it was like a nice. Nice. Sounds like a nice little, little break. Yeah. You mentally, it's like going mentally somewhere else. It's yeah. like a guided meditation almost. <laughs> that sounds quite nice. So actually. I recommend it. If they have that on <laughs> I, I there, try I would it. try it. Yeah. It, it was I good. Uh, so besides going on walks and swimming, are you, what are you working on right now? Are you able to get some things done or? Yeah. So um, I've been very, very fortunate during the pandemic to get writing work um, kind of mm-hmm. steady-ish. Um Right now I'm working on a show, which I don't think I, I probably can't talk about it. I don't think it's been announced, but um, it's um, a, like a docu-series starring a comedian and oh, nice. um, and for Discovery Plus. 
It's like one of those, you know, like it's about yeah. food. It's culinary adjacent is what they're calling okay. it. Um, and um, so I'm on Zoom a lot. And, but, you know, it's one of the, I was talking to the people I live with now and I was like, my life work-wise, not just during the pandemic, but prior to that, because my main writing work has been in comedy variety programming. So stuff like talk shows, docuseries, things like that, um, specials, like the Mark Twain prize I wrote for that, like award shows type stuff. And it's as lucky as I feel to have made a living as a writer and a comedian. Um, I'm yearning to be in scripted TV, which is such a common, like, it's like, join the fucking club. (laughs) (laughs) I really want to work in scripted. Um, And if you don't know scripted, and I didn't know the full extent of it until Mm -hmm. I was on the negotiating committee for the writer's guild this year to negotiate our contract with the studios. So cool. It was so cool. And I learned so much and I like want to talk to other writers guild members who are comedy variety writers and start motivating us to be like more vocal and like, you know, cause we are kind of the like redheaded stepchild of the guild. <laughs> like, Absolutely. You know, there's some other like fringe groups in the guild, like the animator r- animation writers. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of groups that aren't, but mainly it's scripted TV is like the bread and butter of writers guild work. Mm-hmm. And I learned, you know, Oh, writer scripted television writers make so much more money like just entry level like they're making at entry level they're making more than i've ever made yeah and i've been like head writer yeah like (laughs) you've had your own television show yeah it's like (laughs) a really upsetting no i made i did the most money i've ever made was when i had my tv show Mm because that was like combined writing, hosting, producing. So when you combined all my fees together, it was definitely the most money. So when you, you, so the key is to have 12 jobs. Right. Where it breaks you. (laughs) Okay. So I've been wanting, really yearning to want to break into scripted. I've been trying for a few years. There's been a lot of like roadblocks, like the writer's guild and the uh, agencies went to to war for over a year, mm-hmm. which slowed things down. The pandemic, you know, lots of stuff has happened that I wrote a book that got in the way, you know, like, so this year is all about like, can I, cause I don't, my favorite kind of TV is scripted television. So I want to be working on a show that I, not that the, I'm looking down on any of the work that I've done, um, but I don't usually seek out Maybe it's just because I'm part of it and I under I understand how the sausage is made too much. And so I'm uh-huh. like not as interested in re- watching the type of show that I write. <laughs> right. But I want to be working on a show that I love, that I'm yeah. obsessed with, that yeah. I'm so proud of. I mean, I think that's what everyone wants to work on projects. I mean, if I'm not going to work on a project that I created, that's the ultimate. But that's yes, really, really hard to do. And the fact that I've done it once is is insane and I may never get to do it again um but if I'm gonna work on something that somebody else made and came up with I would love someone just (laughs) I would love to uh work on a show that I like enjoy you know and really want to watch absolutely you know whatever um and the money would be nice but so that's what I've been working on and um but in my downtime, I did, I renovated my old dollhouse. Like I, I have many hobbies. <laughs> so much going on. I feel like that's yeah. a really common thing that um, really no one watches what they work on or the types of shows they work on. I'm like, I don't watch, uh, 
even even like variety shows that I love, I don't ever watch it. I'm like, I want to watch Narcos. I want to watch something really dark. Oh yeah, I don't even with a lot of murder. I don't in even it. watch comedy, uh, <laughs> scripted comedy. Yeah. Um, and some of it is just my because I love dramas, you know, mm-hmm. like, and I get I want something that I can escape into fully and be gripped by it. Like that's why I I think I prefer those types of shows. But there are some comedies that I will watch, and it's usually the ones that are the the ones that are the tip top, like Shit's Creek, you know, yes. the ones that people are like, this is the best show ever made. And you watch and you're like, oh, I get why I'm in love with these yeah. characters. It's so funny. Um, but, and I will watch some shows like, because a friend, you know, is in it or wrote yes. it or whatever. Um, but comedy sometimes is hard for me to watch because I'm analyzing it too much. It feels like work yeah, or I'm, um, jealous of the person that got it. And I'm like, how'd they get this? Like, how do I do that? You know? And then I'm not enjoying it. I'm like mad, (laughs) you know? So, so it has to be a special kind of show for me to really like pen 15. I I haven't seen that one yet, but I've heard it's so good. Oh, it's so good. I mean, and, and, you know, I just loved it so much, you know, so I will watch comedies, but I'm not going to seek that out. Usually it has to be something that people are like, you have to watch this. It's incredible. Um, but for dramas, I'll watch, I'll watch anything. I mean, I will watch yeah. <laughs> the bottom of the barrel dramas, network shit. That's like, who is this for? You know, like it's yeah. for your dumbest aunt, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> that's so fun. At least you're watching TV. I feel like most of the time I'm like, I'd rather just read. Cause I just want, uh, I want to get away from sound and everything. I just want to yeah. escape from the whole world, you know, um, so <laughs> my cousin keeps teasing me because I'm here and her and her husband watch so much television. And I'm like, I don't, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. I don't know what's going on with that. I, I really have no clue. Yeah. It's my sister is a reader and she reads more than she probably watches TV. And um, I get, I fall asleep too quickly after reading for a little bit. So yeah. it's like a nighttime, yeah. you know, and I'll go through a book really slowly um, cause I can only read like 15 pages before being like, night, night. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> how did you end up getting into the variety space? Like what was your first writing job? TV um, writing job, I should well, say. Well, my first TV writing job was my own talk show. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, I thought that. And then crazy. I thought that can't be right. <laughs> no. So, well, no, 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 no. I had, no, I had one job before that. I, I take that back. So I had jobs in TV. Okay, mm-hmm. so here's what happened. I, 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 uh, my basic career trajectory of working in comedy, my first job in comedy, like full-time job was hosting a show for AOL. So I was talent, but I was also writer and yeah. like producer on it. It was like a little mini web show. It was back when like, they didn't know what web shows were. It was like a new, very new thing. It was mm-hmm. really, really wild. Um, like YouTube just started to take off at the end of that job. Um, like how people even consumed video was so different than it is now. God, that's so weird to think of. Accessible. No one even saw the shit I made, like, because it was just this website and they were like, people will find it. It's like, no, that's not how this works. <laughs> um, it was really, there. Twitter wasn't even, I think I might've signed up for my Twitter account at the very end of that job. Like Twitter, Facebook was just starting to blow up. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it was a weird time to be doing. I was like an early pioneer in this world. So by so then you're job. already doing stand up, right? 
Yeah, I was performing and it was like five. And look, I look back, like when I got the job, I was like, finally. But it was five and a half, six years after starting comedy. I'm like, so this is actually pretty early, (laughs) you know? Um, I was like looking back, um, but it got canceled after a year, which I'm shocked that it even lasted a year. And then I had to go like back to my day job for a little while. But then from there, I got a job blogging for best week ever, which was the, like a really great, funny TV show at the time. Mm -hmm. And then, um, from there I got as a job as these were really new types of jobs, like writing a blog, original content on a website that was connected to a TV show, but our blog was its own independent website. Like, right. I was, I was on best week ever the show twice. You know, I wasn't like, so we had our, you know, Michelle Collins was the writer on it and Dan um, Hopper and um, Alex Black. Like it was like a group of little ragtag blogger types and creating content that stood on its own separate from the TV show. And that was very new and it, it doesn't even really exist that much now everything like that is just the show's Twitter account. Yeah, you I was know? gonna say it would like, be like live now it's tweeting, just the social media. And I mean, but we were writing our own stuff that never had anything to do with the show. Um, and then from there, because I had this like kind of very at the time unusual experience in that space, I had a really great resume for running the entire web operation for Jimmy Fallon when the show started. So I was like the head blogger is what they called it. But it was like, I was in yeah. charge of the entire digital side of the show, and which, yeah. was, which was critical for that show because he started the show online before it even oh. aired on TV. He did like a video every night. And he, I did not he's know that. Part, honestly, Jimmy was a part of Twitter becoming huge. Like really? he was one of the first celebrities that early on really embraced it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he like featured it on the show and like made it mainstream. And like, and I was like a part of all that. And it was really exciting. And we, I like won two Emmys for that work. Digital, That's incredible. They called it like interactive media. Yeah. And so all that was adjacent to writing for TV, but I never, I was not a writer for TV. People thought, p- people still think, oh, you wrote for Jimmy Fallon. I'm like, no, <laughs> I, I wish I had, I would have way more money. <laughs> I got paid it's, very little. To work it's so there. funny because I feel like um, most people would be like, "Yeah, sure, I did. I was the head writer, actually." Because so many people I had just to like stop lie. correcting people because I was just like to even explain what I did. I was like, <laughs> "Like what?" <laughs> um, yeah, because that's whenever someone jokes about like, "Oh." Some intern tweeted out something embarrassing from the whatever account. Mm-hmm. And it's like. No, people make six figures running Twitter accounts and social media. I didn't make six figures, but like people made, I wish. Um, No, people made you, it's a real job. I was like, I was 30 when I started working at Found. I wasn't an intern. I was like, I was working 16 hours a day. It was crazy. You know, I won two Emmys for my work there and like, but it wasn't wasn't a writing job, but it was like important and cool and um, new and interesting. And, and I got to be a part of that show when it first started it for like the first two and a half years of it being on the air, I was part of it. And then I got hired on my first right actual TV writing job, which was to write um, for who wants to be a millionaire, which at the time, which this sort of might be the story <laughs> that I yeah. was, uh, like gonna tell for the for the podcast which uh-huh. was like it didn't feel I was so excited I got that job but it was a, a it was I was conflicted about it because you know my dream 
going into it was always in comedy. I want to write or have my own late night talk show. I want to write for a uh-huh. late night talk show or I want to have my own. To mm-hmm. have my own felt so far away, but to write for one was like, oh my God, I, if I could just get that. The fact yeah. that I was even working at a late night talk show felt like I had made it. Like I was so, of course. so excited. But it was a really hard job and I couldn't, it just wasn't enough money to sustain me for long-term. And, you know, I felt limited there ultimately, um, you know, because I wanted to write for the show and I, or a show. And I just knew that, I mean, this is a, nothing against the people at that show. Cause I understand of course. Um, that sometimes when you're really good at your job, they don't want to move you up. Yeah, because they want you to be in that position and they don't they just don't see you as that they don't see you as a writer so even though i i got the opportunity to submit to be a writer for that show a couple of times i was never promoted and um ultimately and who you know who knows if i was right for it or whatever mm-hmm. i mean i was like how am i not right for it i understand this show inside and out i know jimmy's voice I know, looking back, I'm like, of course I was good enough. Of course yeah. <laughs> I was. But, you know, there's so much more to it uh, yes, when, of course. when you're being hired. So I don't, there's no hard feelings about it, but I had to leave. Like I had to break out somehow. And at that time I got, I started working with an agent and she made me aware that who wants to be a millionaire was hiring writers And I was like, oh, I don't want to write for that. That's a game show. It's like a daytime game show. Like that's not comedy. I don't Mm -hmm. want to step. That's a step down even from what I'm doing now. She goes, well, it's writer's guild. And and she goes, it's um, a lot of comedy writers got their start there. And she named a few people. And I was like, oh. I was like, okay, well, I, I was like, and I need to change. I need to break out of here. Cause, and also it was just such a hard job. I was so fucking tired. I was like crying every night because I had to, I had to be there by like 8 a.m. in the morning. And at night, this is I that had Fallon? To, um, yeah. And oh. I had to, um, I had, there was all this like fucked up shit about the code for the website, like crazy web stuff that I like barely understood that someone had to manually, when the show aired, like go in and change a little line of code so that the, the posts with all the videos and all the social media stuff would go live, like right oh, when the show was airing. And so I would like be so fucking tired. And then I, so the show aired at 1230. So, uh, you know, so I oh, had God. to, I, I would go to bed and then set an alarm to wake up and like type this thing in no, 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 to no, an no. HD... <laughs> and then go back to sleep and I would be crying I would be so like Scott was like oh my god you've got to get out of this job and I was that like that sounds no. like it was in pioneer days I mean to have to get up to do yeah, some I mean, kind it, of code it was, it was all, <laughs> the digital team there now is a completely different job like they really moved into what it should have been you know maybe not not should have been but what it ended up needing was basically an arm of you know like a little group of people who pushed out the content and helped Jimmy with his social media. It became all about social media. But when we were first there, we were making our own little content, you know, with Jimmy and like characters that were on the show, like extra content with the guests and stuff. Like Mm -hmm. all that was what we were doing. We were pitching our own ideas and like, 
it really became less about original content for the web for Fallon, but, and more, I, and I could be wrong because I was gone when, when the real, you know, shift happened, but it became more about like pushing out extra content that was just from the show itself, yeah. you know, and not about, you know, um, you know, original things that we were coming up with and writing our own stuff. Like they, that ended up not being what the show needed. And I, I agree with that. Um, but anyway, so I left and it was bittersweet to leave, but I was like, felt a little bit like I had not failed because I had gained so much from working at that show, but that I didn't get my ultimate goal, which was to be promoted to be a writer there. And I was very sad about that because I really loved working there. And I, I had really formed some really deep friendships there because it was like going to war together, like starting a new talk show is so much work. And like, to this day, I mean, the people I sat with in my office are my best friends and we're a little gang still together mentally. Like we Zoomed <laughs> yes. together during the pandemic and stuff. But like, you know, I just, I was so loyal to the show. I loved everything about it. And it was so, it, it was at a time that I really needed something like that. I was going, per, my personal life was a fucking mess. So <laughs> so sad. It was really sad to leave the show and a difficult decision. And I was like taking what felt like a risk. Like, I was yeah. like am I going backwards by going who wants to be a millionaire? Like, am I a daytime writer now? Am I not a comedy writer? Am I not a real comedian? Like all these questions were swirling around and it felt a little bit like it wasn't the right move at first. Mm-hmm. And I was really worried about it and kind of not embarrassed by it, but just like, oh, this isn't the kind of job you go out and have as your credit when right. you get introduced. It is show. hard. You know? It's so hard Come because so many of those like a millionaire. <laughs> yeah. So many of those first jobs we get feel so formative in that whether or not you want to be in that space, you do one job in a certain uh, a, a certain theme of TV. And from then on, that's just how the industry sees you. They're like, oh, well, that's yeah. the person that does that. Oh. And it's like, you, you could be like, no, no, no. I, I, I want to write crime oh. dramas. And they're like, mm, sorry, you wrote some trivia. Yeah. That's it forever. I mean, it's hard. It's hard. I've been facing that right now. I am in my 40s and I am a senior level comedy variety writer. Mm-hmm. A successful comedy variety writer and even then I struggle you know like I'm one of the lucky ones like I get work it comes to me like yeah I, I was telling the people I live with I was like I'm not working right now I just came off two jobs mm-hmm. when we moved here and I said but any day now I know we were spending so much time together we were like you know just melding as a pod you know during the pandemic uh-huh. and like spending I mean you know like I went from just living with my husband to now having five, you know, people in my life. And it was, you know, awesome. And, oh my God, we, I have a kid, a five-year-old kid I get to hang out with. And, you know, we're spending all this time together. And I was like, any day now I'm going to get a job and literally be like, I get a phone call. And then the next day you won't see me for three months (laughs) because I'll be inside working. And that's what happened. You know, like I got a, I got a call and they're like, can you start Monday? You know, and I am very lucky. I get jobs just come to me. They like yeah. fall like then Now I'm known as somebody who can do this kind of work. I'm reliable. I have a lot of contacts, producers that like me and like to work with. That's such a great place to be in. Um, but to convince someone with all those years of experience that I could also write for scripted, it's like I'm entry level. 
Yeah. You know, it is like, so like weird. I have a taint on me. Like <laughs> well, if you're like 42 and you've never written scripted before. It's like, but I've done all this other shit. That's like, you know, like yeah. I would be fine, you know, but anyway, um, so when I did you, who wants to be a millionaire, you know, at first I was like, Oh, I'm stuck here. And you know, who knows what's next. And, but I was so excited about like, you know, being in the union and, um, it felt like, okay, it's a, it's a resume builder. It's my first, Absolutely. let's see what it does. And I just needed fucking time. I, I remember like the first week I was at who wants to be a millionaire, I would leave work and it would still be light outside. And I started crying. I was like, <laughs> you're like, I can see the sun finally. Yeah. I was like, I it's been two years of like always working late. Um, yeah. and the time that I had on my hands, I was like, Oh, that's so great. And it was from there that I sold like within nine months of leaving Fallon, I had sold my own talk show. Oh my God. That's incredible. First of all, really quick. What is writing on a quiz (laughs) show like? Because that seems, I mean, do you just walk in the writer's room and they're like, here's a thesaurus. I don't know. Just pull stuff from here. It was so different than any, looking back, I'm like, I've never worked on a show like that ever since or before. And we wrote the questions and it was incredibly hard. I didn't realize how hard it was going to be. I mean, they were warned me. They're like the first two weeks, you're going to be like, boom, 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 boom. And then you're going to hit a wall and you're going to lose your, you're going to panic. And that's exactly <laughs> what happened. Um, we had to write, ten, it sounds like nothing. We had to write 10 to 12 questions a day. Okay. So that sounds really easy. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, 10 trivia questions a day. What kind of moron? Like, Wow you know, yeah, it became brutal <laughs> where I would be like, I've got two written and it's 4 PM. What am I going to fucking do? You're submitting questions like what color socks is Sarah wearing? <laughs> right. Well, here's the thing is that before your question that you've written can count as a question you've written and part of your quota, it has to not be in the database. And if it's already <laughs> in the database, it doesn't, it has to be a, an original question. Now, when I say the database, I'm talking about how long at that point had the show been on the air? 10 years? Fuck. And, and when it was daytime, it was a strip series. So it was every, it was four days a week. Mm-hmm. So we're talking thousands of episodes, probably. <laughs> the database I think had, I'm, I don't remember the number. I know it was over a hundred thousand questions. Oh, easy peasy. Just don't write anything like that. (laughs) Because not all the questions had been used, you know, Uh Um, and they all had to be unique because they couldn't have a question. Think about it from a legal standpoint. They could never have a question that had already been on the show. Right. So, you know, you, you think you've come in. I used to like have these like little secret and the writers never spoke. Like talk about a weird writer's room. Like no one ever talked it was dead quiet (laughs) (laughs) and at one point I like tried to be like I went from the loudest fucking work environment you could possibly like I had ping pong balls flying by my head all day like it was like the stereotype of like backstage like where there's like somebody in a fucking camel costume walking by like that's Mm -hmm. what Fallon was like it was really like what they make it seem like like you know late night tv is is so big and crazy and like you know one one show after another trying to top itself so a lot of crazy stuff happened there 
And this was like dead silent nerds because we were with the research department. We were sequestered from production. I only went to set one time because we were not allowed to interact ever. We were in a different building. We were never allowed to interact with anyone in production to protect the wall of knowledge of like, so that never a, a contestant could never accidentally hear about a question. Oh my goodness. Or no answers ahead of time. Uh-huh. And you couldn't work from home because you had to be at the office in the secure like server, you know, cause the million dollars is on the line. They can't have that stuff being, you know, I wasn't allowed to like talk about, you know, now the show's off the air, but I, I wasn't allowed to talk about yeah. what I had written, you know? And um, so anyway, we would write these questions and um, it was so quiet. And one day I just went like, can y'all just shut up? Like as a joke, <laughs> no one laughed. <laughs> no, Sarah. I mean, they're really nice people. Like some of which, yeah, really nice. Some of whom I'm still friendly with. Like, you know, it wasn't that anyone was like not cool. It was just, um, it was a really different environment. And, and all the writers were very protective of how they came up. Everyone had sources they would use and question, you know, like ways of finding ideas for questions that you wouldn't talk about with the others. And like, you know, you were allowed to write some questions that were topical. So, but they had to be such big stories that they would last for years and feel evergreen. So for instance, you wouldn't write a story about um, what, let's say what, you know, what Barack Obama did that day, because this is back when Obama was still president. Uh Um, You know, you would write about that Barack Obama won the election, you know, like things that were like going to last, you know, so if something really big like that happened, Um, like so-and-so became the first person to win, you know, first black person to win best director at the Oscars. Like those types of things that are factoids. Yes. That will stand the test of time. If that had just happened, you know, if you got in early enough, that could be one of your questions that day. Two of the other writers were like, they'd been there forever and they would be done. You could tell they were done by 9am. They got there early and they would be done because they were Mm, so good at it. And they'd just be sitting back, you know, reading all day. (laughs) And I would be like, (laughs) So I had some little sources that I would use um, because the first thing you do it like is go, oh, I'm just going to Google fun facts, you know, and that it does help. It gives you inspiration yeah. to write yeah. about. But what I learned is that fun facts online are none of them are true. <laughs> that's, that's the other thing. What your, your question has to be true. It has to be provable. Oh yeah, because um, I bet that would be another lawsuit if yeah, well, uh, right. if somebody got the answer right and this show was like no. Right. <laughs> so if you and you had to like phrase things in a way that were like um, protect the show from being sued. Um, so like you had to say of the following, which is the deepest you know cave in you know the world or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like you couldn't say what is the deepest cave in the world because there there's a wiggle room there. You know, oh, you could argue could be it like out. an undiscovered one that yeah, or something like that, or like what or, are yeah. we talking? Are we talking distance from the surface? You know, so you always mm-hmm. go of the following, you know, <laughs> yes. four answers, which is correct, yeah. and it had to be very like the way you phrased it had to be super specific mm-hmm. um, and not open ended. And, you know, the research team would come over to your desk and, and be like, so I was looking into your question. And so technically the, um, this species of corn <laughs> didn't become, you know, because they would go, they, and so 
they would always recommend that if you write a question to start with as the writer, you had to have two sources. You had to put them in the database. Like it was a whole form you filled out. God, that's so you had to hard. Guess how hard. It was hard. You had to guess how hard it was, which is really hard to like, when you know the answer to a question, it's hard to know how hard the question is. Yeah. Like, so because it's obvious to you. Yes, of course. And now I'm a trivia snob. Like if I play trivia in any setting, like on an airplane mm-hmm. or at a trivia pub or, you know, whatever, I get really fucking mad if <laughs> the person didn't like make it fun. Sure. So that's the thing I also learned. Every question for trivia to be fun, it has to be, it still can be a hard question, but it has to be referencing something that we all know. You can't be so obscure and specific, especially on like a show like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? That's play along. You're at home watching and you want to feel like you could win. And yeah. so it's not just okay, what's the formula for some crazy calculus, you know, equation? Sure. Like no one cares about that, but you say, you know, more accessible topics. So one thing they were like honed in on with me, they were like, oh, you're good at the art questions, right? We need more questions about art, Sarah. You write art questions. Like, okay. And they also had me writing the easy ones, which were really hard to come up with. Oof. Like, I can't even explain to you how hard. Oh, and they want each question to have two points of knowledge. So like, there's so much to tell you. <laughs> so the example I gave is like, because it makes it fun. Yes, and of it's course. Also, now I'm really good at trivia because I understand how trivia questions work. Does that like, make you want to um, go on a game show? No. And I also like, can't. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think I have to fill out a form and like, they would be like, no, you can't ever. Um, <laughs> That's really funny. Um, so, so like two points of knowledge. So the example given to me was to think of it like this. Instead of saying what two colors uh, make purple, you know, um, uh-huh. The question could be, what children's character um, do you get when you combine red and blue? Okay, got it. So So, you would get Barney. Yeah. I mean. So you have to know. Yeah, you're right. So you have to know that red and blue. I won, I won. You did it. You have to know two things to get the question right. You have to know that red and blue are make purple. And you have to know that Barney is purple. Got it. Those are two things. And that's what makes a fun that's what makes a good trivia question. All right. That's, that's what makes it know. fun. Now yeah. I'm be- going to become a tyrant. Um, yeah. <laughs> and also what I've learned with trivia is if you're playing trivia, um, know that a good trivia game, like Trivial Pursuit or mm-hmm. one of these big network type style games, um, a good one will be one that the, that the writers understand that like a group of people are playing of different knowledge bases and that your gut instinct is usually right. And there's usually a hint in the question. Oh, okay. You know, so like, say the question, I, I remember at Christmas last year, we played trivia with my family and like, I was like so proud. I was like, I used everything I've learned. <laughs> and I got that question right. And it was like, it was something like what, what superhero or something like, and I know nothing about superheroes. Uh-huh. Like fucking, I, I hate superhero movies. Um, <laughs> Like I, my eyes glaze over. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Like I couldn't tell you who's in Marvel, who like, yeah. Like I just stopped listening. It's just like the little drawbridge to my mind. It's like, ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> um, and the question was like, what superhero or supervillain um, like eats whole planets, like feeds on planets. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it was multiple choice or whatever, but I was like, galactica or something like that (laughs) and it was right i like guessed something like it was just because i used 
I don't remember the exact question. I'm sounding right, right, like right. I knew something, but it was something where I did all that. I, I listened to the clues in the question and then I was able to- Cause it's like, almost like you- a riddle in a yeah, way. It's like, oh, I, I figured it yeah. out. And, and also I've learned just from experience that like your gut instinct, your first thought is usually right. Mm-hmm. You convince yourself it's not right. And then you go, yeah. no. And then you go, fuck, I should have yeah. just said it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, that's true of everything, by the way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's I mean, just like a good life lesson. Yeah, for sure. Would you say then leaving Fallon felt like something that it felt bad to you at the time that like sent you yeah. on a good trajectory? I mean, getting into the WGA is such a huge accomplishment. It was in itself. Really, yeah. Just that alone. But then it freed me up to have the mental capacity because that a, a show a, a show like Fallon a, a late night talk show or even a daily any kind of daily show like that is um especially a new one that's still being figured out it's so much work yeah no matter what your job is on the show it's so much work and it's day in and day out and you know you know we would get hiatuses and stuff which I loved that schedule yeah you know it'd be like all right you, but by the end of that you know the longest we would go without a hiatus would be six weeks, which doesn't sound that long, but six weeks of a daily show like that is- Yeah, that's a lot. You're dead. You're dead at the end. And we'd be like, six fucking weeks this time? You know, <laughs> four weeks is <laughs> And I still had to work over hiatuses because the web stuff yeah. was still going. Because you're writing work, code. Because you're inventing yeah, the internet. I'm, yeah, I'm coding. Yeah, like I'm like I don't even know what this is. They just told me I had to enter a dash so that it would go live. Like I don't know. I'm sure it's way better now. But this was like early, kind of on the cusp of like. I mean, this. I remember in my first meeting with NBC, it was a phone call. Somebody mm-hmm. at NBC was like, "Twitter is dangerous." Really? It turned out they were right. Turned out they were right. <laughs> um, but they were like, "It's." Because there was this old, they called it the castle walls concept in early internet strategies for companies was we want everyone to come to our website because traffic, we want the traffic. Oh, yes, of course. For the ads. We don't want people leaving. And that's still a thing. Like Facebook will do, they do all kinds of evil shit. And so does Twitter to keep you there. Yes. And they will suppress content that I've, someone at Facebook told me this. They were like, if you want your stuff to get seen on Facebook more never link to something always embed it always upload the photo it needs to be what they call native but back at this point companies weren't embracing social media they want you know media companies did not want you going to they they viewed youtube as competition they viewed you you know twitter as competition instead of a portal to get a shit ton of eyes on what they were yeah of course so but that changed so quickly from the moment I got there to like the first, you know, the first six months. I mean, it was what Jimmy was getting like press for, yeah. you know, he was getting praised for embracing social media and being tapped into that, you know, that culture. And, you know, it really helped rocket that show, you know, and I was just a tiny part of it, but it was very exciting. When you, um, I was just going to jump ahead to you getting your own show because I'm so, mm-hmm. I didn't know that it was such a quick turnaround the nine months at well he wants to be a millionaire to sell the pilot you know um it took two years after leaving fallon for the show to be airing you know so were you you were just like working on this on your off time the whole time you were at 
who wants to be a millionaire, I assume. Yeah. So, so while I was at Fallon um, is when I started my podcast with Nikki Mm -hmm. and we built, you know, an audience then. And um, in that six months, six to nine months uh, after I left Fallon, I had more time to like imagine, uh, you know, and to create more, to kind of take what Nikki and I were doing and go to the next level with it. Yeah. And, you know, we, I was like feeling like, I, okay, I've got to, cause whenever I feel like I don't know where I'm going in my career, I create something new on my own. That's so cool. And sometimes it pans out and sometimes it doesn't, but it's always worthwhile to do that. Um, and, you know, so I was like, oh, I want to, I, I need to make something. I need to make something that gets me the next thing that I really want to be a part of. And around that time, Nikki also had a really big rejection. She thought she was going to get some big gig and then it fell through. And she was at my house when she found out um, that she didn't get it. And Mm -hmm. it was like, she was really upset and we recorded our podcast and then we talked to, you know, we like, we're like, we can fucking do this. Like we left that night, like inspired to like, we're going to, and I said to her, I was like, why aren't we just selling our own show? Yeah. We have this, we have something we've built and it's good and we're good together. We need to capitalize on it. And we were like, let's fucking do it. She was like, yeah, let's fucking do it. We were just like all fired up and like, we're going to fucking take it by storm. And we didn't know exactly what we were going to do at first, but we decided we were like, we should make a video, <laughs> like a funny video that puts us out there as like two people on camera. Yeah. And I was like, what if we did a PSA about Justin Timberlake making music again, begging him to make music again. And we were, she was like, yes. And we, we started coming up with ideas. Her ideas were so like, I, I, it may have been both of us. I don't know how, I, I feel like it might've been my idea, whatever, regardless, it was our idea together. And like, uh-huh. I laid out the, the like beats mm-hmm. and she punched it up and like made it because she's such a good joke writer. So yeah. like she made it a hundred times funnier and then I would do a pass and then she would do a pass. And I was like, Nikki, this is a video that I can tell because I've been working in digital media <laughs> yes, whole time. I was like, this is going to go viral. I feel it. I know it's like tapping into something. And so we shot the video. It turned out really funny. And then we held it um, because we had a pitch coming up to pitch our own talk show. Uh-huh. And I said, I think it's going to vo- go viral. So what we should do is we should hold the video, even though when you make something like that, you want to put it out right away, just in case someone else comes up with the idea. We're like, it was like three weeks or four weeks away for our pitch. And I said, what if we held the video and we put it out like three days before our pitch? Because by, I'm telling you, it's going to go viral. And then we can point to it and go, it's happening right now. Look at what we've done. Right. <laughs> yes. It, it actually happened that way. <laughs> Which it is went- like... The most insane that you can't plan something going viral. I'm so glad we're doing this podcast because the last few days, last few months, I've been in a funk, you know, because the world is ending, Mm -hmm. but um, because where I've been telling this, the bad voice in my head has been going, every decision you've made is wrong. All your gut instincts are wrong. (laughs) Are you fucking loser? Like what? That's just a bad liar voice in my head. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, no, but I was right in these instincts. These yes. instincts were right at some points. And the other times they've been way wrong. And I've learned from those mistakes. But um, in, this, in this case, it was being right about something and 
being right about it at the right time. Yeah. Was this your pitch right to like, MTV? We pitched to E and MTV. And we pitched to MTV in LA. We, we like came okay. out to LA um, and we had these pitches set up and um, like we had done a practice pitch with our agents and stuff. And, you know, we had stuff to point to. We had gotten press for our podcast. We had um, this video that, you know, it did go viral. Justin Timberlake tweeted it. That's and I was nuts. like, we fucking did it, you know? <laughs> and we showed the video in the pitch and we're like, this is the kind of thing we would do on the show. And it just made sense. The, everything that we had put into it, we built and, and it was our chemistry that ultimately is what sold it. And that we had proof of concept. We had yeah. a podcast where we'd had, you know, so many hours of learning how to be together on camera, how to interview people together, how to host. And then also, you know, I mean, and Nikki had her own rising star. I had my own, like we both had um, gotten press and attention for different things in different ways, which made us like, like a good combo. Yeah. Like different strengths coming into it. And then we'd pitch this thing in MTV and E and like, they both felt like they went really well. Um, and then when I came back to New York, I was like, I'm not going to just sit here and wait. Like I'm going to fucking try to play this somehow. So I knew someone who worked at MTV um, in the development side in New York. Okay. And I contacted him and I said, Hey, uh, we just, Nikki and I just pitched this thing. Um, you know, can we meet up? Like, like, can you help me strategize? Like, can I, is there anything I can do to like bolster our pitch to get, you know, anybody else on board at MTV? He goes, let's meet up for a drink. It's Jake Plunkett and uh, Sachi Azura's husband. Um, Sachi and him are both like old friends and now, you know, now they're very good friends, but, <laughs> um, but Sachi's like an amazing producer and they're both amazing producers. Yeah. I know of her. I don't. Yeah. Sachi has done stand up and writing and everything too. She's kind mm -hmm. of like a, she does it all. Jake is more of a producer director. Um, and Jake was like, uh, we met up and I, I kind of did a soft pitch to him. I like pitched him the show and I was like, I'm just going to, you know, it was like one of those, let me just pick your brain about this. Yes. <laughs> I hate that phrase. Of course. We met up and I, and we're in a restaurant and I like soft pitched it to him. And he was like, Sarah, this is exactly what we're looking for right now. He's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to, I need to make sure that we're following up. And the conversation that you had in LA gets into the ears of the higher ups in my office. And so more was happening now. And then mm -hmm. it gets into the ear of this amazing producer, Brooke Posh. Um, and Brooke, uh, Brooke is um, now runs Jax, which okay. is a, or part of Jax. Um, she's an incredible producer. And um, like, I love her. And it turns out that like, we had a lot of mutual friends and that helped. And she knows a lot of people from Fallon. And so all these things start circling together. Right. You know, every little, and Nikki too, like all the little thing, all the groundwork she's laid and all the little groundwork we've laid starts swirling together to create this perfect moment for the big yeah. thing to happen. And Brooke, I remember saying, Jake told me that Brooke said to Jake, um, well, I can't, Jimmy's my friend. I can't steal Sarah from him. And he goes, well, good news. She left the show six months ago or whatever, yeah. you know, nine yeah. months ago. She doesn't work there anymore. So there's no conflict. And Brooke was like, great, let's do it. <laughs> So like, I wouldn't have gotten the show. Yeah. That's so crazy. You wouldn't have like, had your it, you, own show, which my, I mean, the biggest 
thing that's ever happened in my life, you know, <laughs> all these little things, you know, wouldn't have happened. And like, it just is cosmic. It feels like, yeah. but also like, it's not just luck. It's that every little brick you laid meant something and mattered. And when it was time to call up that favor or the, you know, the good relationship you had or one little good impression you made on somebody yeah, worked. And that is also happened to be something that MTV was looking for at the time. They wanted something that a comedy that appealed to young women. And Nikki and I were like the Tina and Amy, you know, yeah. we did kind of look like Tina and Amy, you know, like we, you oh, know, yeah. me with the glasses and Nikki blonde and, um, and, you know, and then we did, we did two pilots. Like we had to do, I forgot, I like erased certain parts of this from my memory. Like we had to reshoot the pilot, like the studio part, because there were so many notes and stuff. And they were like, let's Uh just redo it. And I mean, it took forever. It was so, so brutal waiting, you know, and I didn't take, I turned down a second season of who wants to be a millionaire because I just, I wanted to go on the road and I was just like, I'm putting it all in baby. We're, I was like, I'm just diving off the cliff. Like, please yeah. <laughs> God, like let it happen. And it did. And it was just, we got two seasons and it was incredible. And, you know, it, everything since has been so unexpected. And like, I never imagined, you know, at the time when we had the show and it ended, I was like, it's nothing but up from here, baby. You know? And it <laughs> definitely wasn't. <laughs> I mean, um, it was for Nikki, yeah. but not for me. And we did not stay aligned in that way. But that's something that I've actually like had to work through. And I feel like, you know, you know, you've read my book, which, mm-hmm. you know, you were critical in the in the final stages of my book by doing a, a, a read of it and offering me ideas for little punch ups and stuff. There's still a couple lines I think about all the time that you wrote. Oh, really? Thank which, you. Yeah. Which, by the way, this is like the first time I'm like saying this. Uh-huh. On, yes, like, I had no idea. Every book you read, every book you read has other people helping. You know, I didn't yeah. have a ghostwriter. I wrote almost every single mm-hmm. word in that book. But I had people help me, you know, towards the final phases, like with feedback, with ideas, like little punch ups here and there. And you were the one person who really provided some very usable stuff. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Thank you. I'm so glad to hear that because I wondered, uh, you know, because I I haven't read it again and I don't think I would remember. You don't need to. No, I I mean, there was. Yeah, I mean, there was something in my stand up. I remember um, like. And this is another thing, you know, this stand up mm-hmm. as people get more developed in their stand up careers, they hire people to help like your yeah. biggest stand ups out there. Some of them don't write one joke anymore. They're yeah. At a level where they just, they hire a guy. I always watch whenever I watch a stand up special. Now I watch for the special thanks at the end. Yeah. Because like, I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's what, it, cause there's, I mean, I, it, it I'll tell you privately, I mean, but there's people that I've yeah. watched and I'm oh. like, that doesn't seem like your voice. And then you get to the end and you're like, mm hmm. That's right. Uh-huh. It's yeah. not your voice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I'm, I've never had someone just straight from whole cloth, write jokes for me. Like, right. Ex- of course. But they can but tweak had, something here and when there. When I went to, yeah, yeah. And that's a, that's almost sometimes that's just conversationally what mm-hmm. comedians do for each other. But I have hired, when I went to Edinburgh and I had my hour long show, I was taking it so seriously and I hired a couple people to just do punch up on like a couple little parts where I was like, this just needs. And I remember telling someone who I had hired, like, Hey, 
my album just came out and just so you know like one of the, I think this was your line mm-hmm. you know and she was like I don't even remember like you know yeah. like she, <laughs> yes. you know like it's not so precious when you're writing it for someone else but um but yeah so I don't know where that was all coming from but anyway yeah um here I am <laughs> And the book is so good, by the way. I it was such a joy to read. I mean, I read quite a bit, and I've read a I lot. I know I love hearing that are terrible. Like, oh, I just read so much. I'm like, good. <laughs> I genuinely uh, really really love it, and um, bought multiple copies oh. and made my mom buy multiple copies. Um, oh. So, you know, Thank if you, you. saw I, a bump so in sales. <laughs> I mean, look, it's a slow burn. It does definitely, my book wasn't the like bestseller that I had dreamed, daydreamed it would be, but everyone that's read it has responded so positively and enthusiastically yeah. that I'm like, and well, oh, cause what I was saying is the book was, there's part of the book where I talk about my feelings about mm-hmm. everything that happened after the TV show and where I am now. And that was stuff I never really had fully faced. Yeah. I definitely had never talked about publicly cause I was embarrassed. And so that stuff, I mean, I share a lot in that book, as you know, that's very personal that I've never talked about. I made sure that the book really covered territory that I had never shared before on podcasts. I wanted Mm -hmm. it to be a a fresh story, but it was that meant I had to go deeper than I've ever gone before and expose things that I've never talked about. And so it was just a lot of... um, scary stuff I was putting in that book. And I never realized that the stuff about the career stuff at the end was actually going to be the, one of the scariest things to write about. Really? I'm so surprised. I like, I think from reading it, I was like, oh my gosh, there's all this stuff about her family. And it's probably Mm -hmm. because just a reflection on, I'm not very close with my family. And I talk about them here and there in my standup, but I, I can't, I can't imagine writing about them because I'm like, well, they can read that. They can't operate the internet oh, yeah. hardly, there's but some, <laughs> there's some people who are very like, I just will talk about my family. Fuck them. You know? Yeah. And there's people who say like, if you read books about how to write memoir, what makes a good memoir, there's people who really like push the idea that you need to have no empathy for your family and you need yeah. to expose everyone and go for the jugular and I was like, well, that's not me. And if that's how it has to be, I'm not writing this fucking book. Yeah. I, mean, I told the editor at one point, I was like, I'm not, I am not sacrificing the relationship with my family for this book. So we got to find a way to do this. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> you know, it's like, and I think it's just the, how do you tell the story, the truest form of the story, your story without her, you know, cause I could have written a different book and it be ruined my relationship with my family, you know, like, yeah. It's all how you write it and, and how you <laughs> and, think, you know, you as, yeah. you as the writer determine how you portray someone. And if you portray, yeah. a lot of people said it's such a love letter to your family. And I, I'm like, well, I've done my job. Then if you feel love for my family after this and you feel how much I yeah. love my family, that is true. Yeah. That's honest. You know, um, can so, you imagine if you had people- sold them out and it like didn't do very well at all? <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> it was a flaw. And, you know, they to go there they they gave me their blessing I didn't need their permission but they gave me their blessing and that was Mm -hmm. what made it I think so they trusted me and it was like being trusted and and that allowed me to tell the story that I really needed to tell like Mm -hmm. like from my my core and um since then and I've I haven't fully processed it but I feel I feel like a different like I've entered a new chapter of my life yeah 
personally and creatively that, oh, now I can, it's what am I going to say? It's a huge accomplishment. It's yeah, enormous. I mean, it's, I'm not I mean afraid some people of write books something. and it's not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm a, some people put out a book and it makes millions and they didn't write one word of it. You know, they mm-hmm. hired someone. Yes. To write it. You know, like there's Absolutely. So, many ways, so many ways to do it. <laughs> but now I'm just like, I'm not afraid to, I've been thinking a lot about like, what is it I want to say and do next creatively? And it's hard to not get caught up in the, what I was, the way I used to think, like the, the Justin Timberlake video, like marketing and strategizing and how can I win with it and make money? And yeah, and it's hard as an artist to constantly be balancing those two things of like needing to survive and also wanting you know, the glory of it all, the money and the fame. Although I don't really want fame. I just want like, I don't know. Influence? Influence or just power. Yes. Power to go, okay, now you trust me creatively to give me a show or to give mm-hmm. me um, the, the power to make creative choices and not constantly being beholden to some bullshit, you know, and that's very few artists have achieved that freedom. yeah you know? Yeah. And it's sometimes really you scratch the surface and they got there. We're evil. <laughs> you know? Yeah. All I want yeah. is power. And it's because I think that I would do good things with it. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. That's why I'm like, I want to hire all these people that I know are talented and funny. And like, you know, I, I can't talk too much out of school, but you know, I just can't tell you how many times I've been in a situation where someone comes to me for a record. They'll go, we need a, I'm looking for a, a junior level writer who's a, preferably a woman of color. You know, they want to hit yeah. all the boxes. Mm-hmm. And then I find out who they hired and it's like a senior level man, white man. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, then what was the point? You right. You're like, what do you have a chance? <laughs> exactly. So you can't consider all of them. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, there's so many things that go into hiring people. So I don't want to, yeah. you know, yeah, I've made a lot. mistakes in that area too. So I, you know, but I'm just saying, like, what you were saying, like, yeah. to have the power to go, I'm going to put for a team, and I'm going to give somebody a chance, just like somebody gave me a chance, and then I'm yeah. going to, you know, make something that makes people feel good and inspired, yeah. and it's and just, and it also feels down. good to give people jobs and money, you know, not mm-hmm. to be like the one hoarding the it, but to be part. like, here yeah. you go, when, you know, when and you're. When, I, I credit say, you and Nikki right. for me getting Jim Jeffrey's show because you recommended me. And then she also sent a letter of recommendation. And I'm like, yeah. if I if I hadn't gotten wow. the packet, the information from you, I would I wouldn't have gotten it. It wasn't yeah. like floating I mean, around, you know? Yeah, that's the those things, you know. And you said thank you, by the way, which you know, <laughs> I don't do things for thanks. <laughs> but I do notice if someone doesn't thank me, <laughs> oh, like I notice. I there's a girl. I'm like, that are I'm, you gonna? Mm-hmm. There's I'm someone like, okay. I barely know that I recommended for a job because I knew it was her dream job, uh, and I thought she'd be a good fit for it. And she didn't say a word. And I'm like, cool, noted. It's <laughs> like okay, great. great. I'm like, I'm putting my name on the line for you, but okay, sure, sure. Uh-huh. Right. That's the, it's like the okay. <laughs> That's your freebie. After that, I don't know how many more times I'm going to want to yeah. help you. If you're not even, you know, acknowledging. If you don't care. Yeah. But also there are certain things that depends on who it is. I mean, like if it's, yeah. you know, if certain people I'm like, I don't need thanks. I just did that because like, I want to help 
person mm-hmm. and I don't care if they even know that I helped them, you know, right. there's those kinds of things. And then there's things where I'm like, I did a favor for you. Now at least acknowledge it. Okay. Yeah, please. <laughs> um, but what I was going to say was, and I know we should probably, we I'm guessing you want to wrap this mm-hmm. up, but um, you're like, I'm going to have to edit down <laughs> this so far, but um, yeah, I think um, the moral of the story is, is like, I don't even know if there is a moral, but I think it's, I don't know. I think, I think it's just believe in yourself. No. <laughs> yeah. Here's a question for you that I want to, I like to end on what, if like eight year old Sarah could see you now, what would she think of you? Oh, like you fucking did it, man. Like, <laughs> look, you know, and, and you have a pool and an Emmy award, yeah. you know, like I would be like, why aren't you a millionaire? <laughs> Because those things don't seem to add up. Like when you're eight, you think people who've yeah. been on TV are millionaires, you know? Yes. Um, I think, you know, and like the things I've done, I like that I am, the things that I was really into when I was eight years old, I cultivate now still, you know? Yeah. The dollhouse, which doll was house. amazing. Yeah. yeah. Like, and, uh, you know, all those things that I loved growing up, I'm, cultivating them in my life now and it's like you know I I was remembering recently I went to like a nerd summer camp mm-hmm. like you went <laughs> to a college and lived on campus and pretended to be a college student like I yeah. didn't go to camps where you learned how to like tie knots and and go yeah. you know swimming and shit like that and fires I went to like where you take an architecture class yeah <laughs> you know? I did the same shit yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it was called uh, Build Your Own Dream House. And uh-huh. that was the, one of the classes I took. And um, it was where you, you know, we did like basic um, learning about the basics of architecture mm-hmm. and stuff. And I remember in my plan for my dream house, I had a room for just dollhouses. <laughs> oh. I had a dollhouse room. That's so yeah. sweet and spooky. Yeah, I know. And like, I'm re- I'm like, I want to buy a house. It's like motivate me. I'm like, I want to sell a show or do something big with my career so that I get that big chunk of money and buy a house and have my dollhouse room. <laughs> it's still so alive. Precious. So precious. You know? Well, thank you so much for coming on, thank Sarah. You. It was so good to talk to you. Um, yeah. All right. Bye. I love you. And I miss you. <laughs> I love you and miss you. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Once again, that was Sarah Schaefer. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Sarah Schaefer one. That's S-A-R-A-S-C-H-A-E-F-E-R, the number one. And I'm Lisa Curry. You can find me on Twitter at Lisa underscore Curry and on Instagram at Olympian Lisa Curry. If you're enjoying the show, please like, subscribe, give it five stars, tell your friends, uh, you know, all that jazz. And we will see you next week. Thanks so much. Bye.